0: What's going on guys? Ryan here. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 8 of the Run Free Podcast. Sorry it's been a few weeks. I've been uh, traveling internationally. Sarah and I were up in St. Moritz training prior to the Berlin Marathon, which was this past Sunday. (laughs) And uh, It's kind of typical training camp, you think you're going to have all this free time to record podcasts and work on stuff, and the time just seemed to fly by and didn't get a chance to record anything, but uh, actually one episode that I do want to record, maybe after this one, is something I've been thinking a lot about, um, considering Sarah's run in Berlin last week, was uh, what to think about on the way to the start line, kind of that pre-race pep talk, Um, I've already kind of outlined um, some thoughts I had on that. so you can look for that. That'll be the next episode. Um, but on this one, I'm super excited. Uh, Sarah and I just got back from the Berlin Marathon. It's Thursday. Uh, the race was last Sunday, and uh, Sarah crushed it. Um, ran amazing. 2.22 for the marathon, which was a four-minute personal best, and made her the sixth fastest American female marathoner of all time. So, pretty crazy race Um, on paper. Seemed like a huge, huge breakthrough for Sarah and I, you know, having lived the last, well, uh, 20 plus years, but more so in the last couple years, we've kind of... Seen this coming and knew it was possible. I actually, had a text message with one of my friends, Drew, like a couple weeks before the race, and I told him I was like, "Man, Sarah's so fit. I like, I think she can break 223." So, you know, no big surprises on our end, but to actually get to kind of live uh, that 222 and, and to finally hit it, because you know we'd been uh, going to the Frankfurt Marathon for the f- past two years, and Frankfurt's flat and fast, but we'd been hitting some nasty winds, and then last year Sarah had a little bit of injury so um you know we just been we keep showing up and finally uh you know have it all come together this last sunday in berlin was just an amazing experience so uh first off Sarah thank you for coming on the podcast thanks for hanging out with us today and uh congratulations on your 222 how you, how you feeling
1: well congratulations to you too coach uh yeah i'm feeling good like i'm, I'm this is definitely the best i've recovered after a marathon um expected to recover well because it's flat and berlin obviously is flat so i've recovered well from all my flat marathons um but this one i think is a little bit better than the other ones
0: yeah. Yeah. And uh, you came off this super well. Like we went for a run the day after the race, which that's something I kind of picked up uh, after my career. Something I wish I had done is is blood flow is the best way to recover. So um, going out for a 30 minute easy run the day after and you were moving fine. You didn't even look like you, you just ran a marathon. So um, seems like as you typically do, you're recovering super well.
1: Yeah, I went into this one feeling really good and loose and I think it's a lot like how you go into it how you come out of it too that's part of it how much downhill is probably the biggest factor like I was wrecked after Boston my last marathon so I couldn't walk normally for like a week literally like I was on crutches the first few days just because I was I was like under trained as well as it being like the course and everything so it's like how prepared are you how flat is it How good are you feeling going in? You know, all those are factors, how you're going to feel coming out of it.
0: Totally. And, you know, we've been talking about this a little bit, kind of in light of New York City Marathon. And I'm getting kind of out in front of us a little bit. But, um, you know, you're running New York here in four and a half weeks. And uh, to people on the outside, you're kind of like, whoa, that's a lot of marathons. But like for us, as you said, it's like how prepared are you going into it? And like you run marathons in training all the time. And um, so to to tack on another one is actually not that big of a deal if you're well prepared because then you're going to recover from it super well because you're not shocking the body with something it's not used to.
1: Yeah. And it's like, how often are you running long on pavement? You know, there's all those factors of like, how much is the marathon different from how you train? Like if you're just running on dirt and really big shoes and, you know, like it's, it's going to be a bit more of a shock than, um, yeah. than if you're how, if you're really running kind of simulating, uh, workouts, but yeah, I think, um, you know, it's, it's a little unorthodox, but for me, I found almost, I like, I've had some workouts I've come out of that I've been more beat up than I was after this race. So I think it's like, like, if you're rested going into the race, in theory, yeah, you're running faster, but, like, it may not even take as much out of you as, like, a like a really long workout that you're training through and you're going into it really tired and depleted.
0: Yeah, I was just getting uh, flashbacks of, like, various times you've had to recover from marathons. Do you think there's anything to, like... Like it's harder to recover from your first marathon than your tenth marathon, because I was just thinking about like your first marathon in LA, and of course, as you mentioned, you know, downhills is a big part of it. But I just remember you were so trashed after that race, and yet you bounced back and was top American at World Cross Country Championships. I believe is the next weekend, right? Thirteen or it days. Thirteen days after. Um, so, do you think there's anything to, like like recovering from your first marathon being different than recovering from your seventh or eighth marathon?
1: No. Um, cause yeah, I mean, my last one before this was Boston and that was the worst one yet. (laughs) So I think it's more the factors I mentioned probably. Yeah. And you mentioned when, um, the conditions too. So if it's hot, you know, you're going to get more dehydrated. Your muscles are going to be more just like shredded by the end of that too. So, um, so yeah, I think I would say that's more a factor.
0: Yeah. Cool. Um, well, let's jump into this. Uh, as you know, you know this podcast is primarily um, about what's going on inside of us as runners and um, how do we get through those tough moments of races? How do we get through that last crazy week before the race where it's just, you're just trying not to go mental? You're just trying to get to the start line. Um, and so I would love to just kind of walk through it before the race and then your whole experience during the race of, uh, yeah, kind of what was going on in your head. Head, your heart your mind how are you managing your your inner game would love to just kind of walk through that so um to start things off let's talk about that last week before the race how are you feeling what thoughts were going through your mind um what were you doing to to train your inner self
1: yeah um you know the last week before the race wasn't that much of a mental battle for me and actually I've, i found this across most of my marathons so i feel like the races i have a harder time maybe mentally going into them or maybe more the build-up races where I'm actually like, you know, there's not as much at stake, but it's like you're tired going in a lot of times. So you're not really sure what your body's going to give you. So it's like kind of that uncertainty where you're like, like, I don't know what to expect. Like, um, but for me, the marathons, I've never really gotten really nervous. I think because you invest so much for so long that I really feel like the race is the reward you know like I'm excited to get out there cuz it's like I've put so much into it and like that creates a little bit of pressure in itself but I think for me like I'm always tapered at that point so I'm feeling good and it's like I'm I just like want to get out there and just go do it like I've been thinking about this for like 6 months or whatever and like I just want to like get to the line and do it in like a excited way not like a nervous pressure way um, so I'd say that's how this felt too. Like it felt like I've been waiting for this one for a really long time. Um, really excited about it, and like I wasn't like like wanting to just get to the line to like stop worrying. It was more like I just was ready to do it, like a few weeks ago, you, kind of thing. <laughs> so um, so yeah, it was it was a good last week, and felt confident. Was feeling good physically, and that always helps kind of feed the confidence uh cycle. So yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so I wanted to go back and touch on something that you briefly, uh, touched on, uh, regarding like, so th- in this situation, in this build up for you, everything ain't gone great. You're in great shape. You're just excited. You just want to get to the start line. It's kind of what I'm hearing. But let's go back to maybe Boston cuz you know I think some people will be able to relate to yeah I'm ready to go I can't just wait to get started line and then maybe other people they've had kind of a rocky build up maybe things haven't gone as well maybe some injuries maybe sick before and like you kind of had something similar to happen happen to that at Boston this last year, where you're you're racing Boston Marathon off a of five week buildup, and so Six, yeah. a little bit more shaky circumstances. So let's go back to Boston. How how do you recommend that people get through uh, mentally who aren't feeling super prepared for the races?
1: Yeah. So I guess that would be more the norm for me the last like two years, this was the first marathon I ran without a major injury in the buildup. So, um, so that's where, you know, it's a four minute PR, like it seems like this big jump, but really like, I just hadn't had a healthy one. And so we had kind of seen the like gains made in training kind of in the backstory and it just hadn't really been evidenced in the race yet. So, um, so anyways, yeah. Um, but I definitely relate to that because the last two years, you know, I've, I've had Different injuries during the buildup, and um, I think for me a lot of it comes back to just having an attitude of feeling like you can't fail, and not not like an overconfidence cockiness of that because obviously because you can fail, and I've failed a lot, like probably more than most professional runners, but um, but in a way of like in a greater sense, like I'm not I can't fail in life, like because I have God with me, I believe like, um, that is like, what, uh, that is what I need in life is like having God with me. And, um, I think it goes back to like not fearing failure too. Um, so for me, I kind of had immediate success in the sport and, um, just had built an identity around like being successful since I started the sport at a young age. And, Um, and then kind of through some failures in college and professionally, I felt like that kind of got rocked my identity and I had to really seek out like my, like, what does God say about me? Like, how did he create me aside from like running? And if I'm not performing, like, like, am I still loved, worthy of, of love from others and from him? And, um, and so kind of getting that rooted where you're like, yes, like, um, just like if I never achieve anything again, like I'm still worthy of God's love and other people's love and like, um, getting secure in that I think has allowed me to run in a way where I don't fear failure anymore. And I can just, um, like just enjoy it for what it is, which is like running and it's just a race and it's fun and it's a sport. And I don't, it, it's not like do or die situations of like really high stakes. Like my identity is on the line every time out. Like I'm only as good as my last race and my value is only as good as my last race. Like that's kind of how I was feeling. I would say like, like in college, like just, um, you know, you have the pressure being on scholarship. Like you want to please your coaches that they don't know you that well, maybe and different things. And I just, I felt a lot of like pressure to perform and I was trying everything I could, but my body wasn't always responding, you know, your body's in a robot. And, um, I would say the same in my professional career, there were times I was like putting more into it than I ever had, but getting like, like the worst results I ever had, you know, and it like, it doesn't always correlate. And so, um, so yeah, I think, uh, but God actually used that in my life just to to get my identity more secure. So now I can, I can take a lot of risks, I can go race a week after a marathon. And it's not like a high stakes situation for me. It's like, like, this could go amazing, I could win or like, I could not feel good. And that's okay, too. Like, because this, yeah, this isn't like defining who I am.
0: Man, that's that's just such a beautiful place to be at going into a race, you know? Like our whole our whole thing is run free. Like it doesn't you can't get more free than that, right? Like when you don't have to prove yourself when it sounds to me like what you're describing is like like whatever happens on the race course is like icing on the cake kind of thing. Like it doesn't have to happen, but if it does happen, it's like, wow, isn't this amazing, you know?
1: Yeah, and I think I think that it allows you to have the big performances because <clears throat> if you're afraid of failing, it's going to keep you kind of running conservatively and um, like, you know, like how you used to run. Like you would, you were leading the London Marathon, your very first marathon against like world record holders and Olympic champions and stuff. And it's like, like if you had just been like, I just am trying not to hit the wall in my first marathon because I don't want to fail and have people... Like, make fun of me on message boards or whatever. Like, if that had been your mentality, like, you would have never seen, like, your potential in the event and, like, had so much fun and, like, all that stuff. But since you were free to just be, like, I don't care. Like, if I fail, I fail. Like, then that actually led to, like, your highs. And Mm -hmm. so that really inspired me because I felt like I was more kind of stuck in the, like, fearing failure realm. But, like, seeing you do that, like, I think has helped free me,
0: too. Mm. That's cool. Um, man, there's so much good stuff there. I'm actually going to do a whole episode on like running free, breaking free from a fear of failure. Um, so we've, oh man, we could talk for a long, long time about this one. Um, but I, you know, let's, let's get into the race and before the race a little bit, like warming up. Um, how are you feeling? What was going on in your head and heart?
1: Yeah. Warming up. Um, I was just excited to be like moving forward to, you know, like, you you spend a lot of time sitting around and stuff, so it's like all right, we're like getting closer and, um, and I was excited just to have the weather, in like the good range, you know, like it wasn't like the perfect day I would have dreamt up, like, it was like, like a little humid, like felt kind of warm because of how humid it was and like kind of windy, but but not not like bad like so i mean obviously bekele almost set the world record so um but the
0: side note i think had he had a good day yeah. to run he would have shattered that world record because the conditions it were was, not as good it was as last not, year it was not perfect it wasn't yeah as good as what i hear last year was like sarah always gauges whether or not the weather is good based on what i'm wearing when i'm biking pacing her and she always loves it when i'm like in a hoodie with a jacket and <laughs> gloves and a hat on and that was it was not that kind of day it was wasn't That cool, crisp morning. It was like it's like cool enough, but like you said, a little bit humid, definitely a little bit of wind out there. Um, but nothing as bad as uh, you know, Frankfurt the last two years, and nothing as bad as the next day. Yeah, just was gale force winds crazy. Like, had the race been the next day, I probably would have pulled you from the race, not even had you <laughs> run because it was so that gnarly. Was we, there would have been no fast. Well, our runs. train
1: got canceled. We were supposed to take a train to Ryan's. Uh brother where he lives. Um, and all the trains that day got canceled. The wind was so strong. So that says a lot. Um, but yeah, I think, so just going back, like anytime the weather's just like in the range of being good, you know, like, you're like, all right, it's not crazy extreme in any way. Like this is great. Like I can, I'm going to work with this and like, I'm going to go for it, you know? So, um, so yeah, I was just feeling grateful, you know, to make to line healthy for the first time in a while, to be feeling really good, to be excited, to like, everything was kind of in place. And that's kind of all you can ask for at that point.
0: So I was warming up with Sarah before the race. And uh, I was telling her today when we were out running, I was like, you were kind of quiet on the warm up, And like, I didn't really know what to make of it. But like, you seemed to, you were in a really good positive state, right? Like, how would you describe your kind of state of being state of mind at that point?
1: Yeah, I just felt focused, you know, like I just was like kind of all business mentality. Like I just um, you just don't get a lot of opportunities like this, you know, so especially as you look ahead and you have the Olympic trials and like hopefully the Olympic Games are different things then it's like, like I want to maximize this moment. I'm not going to get this for a while. So um, so, yeah, I was just ready just thinking about executing, I guess. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Um. All right. Let's go to the start line. Gun fires. You guys take off. Um. How did those opening K's feel? Uh, how did the pace feel? Did It feel fast. It feel slow. Um. What was going on inside of you at that point?
1: Yeah, the start was actually some of probably my most fun memories from the race. Just because I didn't expect to be in the mix with the lead women. Like I, I figured they were gonna go world record pace like from the gun. Uh um, it's what they typically do there, but they were kind of chilling, like, and they had all these guy pacemakers that apparently were all in the know of what they wanted to do because they were going exactly right around, like slightly under 222 pace, um, which is what I wanted to run too. So, um, so I actually found myself in the lead, I think like the third mile or something And it was similar to Boston last year where it was like I wasn't like trying to lead or like trying to make a statement or something. It was more just like this is the pace I want to go and everyone else is kind of chilling and I'm not going to like I'm just going to run the pace that is comfortable to me and that found myself in the lead. But soon after that, um, they started ratcheting down like the K's and actually we could see um, this was cool because they have this pace car and it's BMW, of course, because it's the sponsor and they have a a um, screen with like the last kilometer and what your projected finish time is <clears throat> on the car and it's and actually comes up every half a kilometer um so I was all of a sudden I could tell it was it was starting to get a little hot and I was kind of letting some gap open up and then I could see on that that it was like 317 per k 316 per k and I was like okay yeah this is like sub 520 pace like this is not um what I should be doing right now which which was kind of hard actually to let them go because it didn't feel hard at the time. Like it was, and they weren't that far away. So it was like, I could have closed that gap. Like, and, and my natural competitor like wants to do that. But as I was saying, like you just don't get an opportunity to run fast that often. So I was like, no, stick to your plan. Like don't, you know, you're gonna no faster than this pace just you know, let them go. And, um, which was good to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked kind of since the race, but um, I've seen with you, like, breakthrough looks different for everyone, you know? And, like, that's one of our favorite words that we love to, like, go after and throw around. But, like, I feel like for you, it's just been, like brick by brick, just little by little, like every single marathon build up, you've just gotten better and better and better. And I don't haven't seen you take a huge leap at any one time, but just stronger every single time, you know. And so when we talk about like, you're the pace that you went out at, like, I think, you know, it would have been a too much to try and bite off to be like we're gonna go with the leaders but especially because they didn't announce what pace the leaders were going at the press conference like it was kind of a weird setup where like the male pacemakers everyone they have a technical meeting the day before and they said how fast the male pacemakers were going and then they are like we didn't bring out any women pacemakers women are in charge of their own pacemakers and they didn't announce how fast anyone was going so we were kind of like shooting in the dark a little bit there
1: yeah that's true and and I don't know how they if they even communicated with each other or are they just like, yeah, like one guy was setting the lead and everyone else just followed? But,
0: yeah, so, but I mean, I feel like you had to take this step first, right? Yeah. Like, before you go out with the leaders, especially a place at like Berlin where sometimes they're going out in 67 minutes, yeah. 68 minutes, you know, um, before you can do that, like, we need to get a 222 under your belt. And the next time out, like, let's go out right at 70 flat or, or hair faster, even and see what happens, you know, but um, going from 226 marathon or two going out in 70 flat is, uh, you know, obviously a a really gigantic step, uh, uh, step to try and take. So, um,
1: yeah, but yeah, like you're saying it, it has been very sequential. Like it's funny how for a while, so I had my debut, which was a disaster, but then I ran 231, 230, 228, 227, 226. Like literally, that was like the progression of my marathons, and you could see in my training where it was like, like it, like I it was a couple seconds off the tempo pace, and then like like five seconds or maybe I don't remember off the the long run pace. Like every buildup, it was like about that much I could improve, and it it corresponded to about a minute in the marathon. And you know, there's varying courses in there and conditions and things, but. It's funny how it, like even yet yeah, there was that kind of stepping stone. So that's where, yeah, I mean, I was kind of making those gains since the 226 or even that one was like after an injury, you know, so it was like I was kind of making those gains in the um, but they just hadn't been realized in a race. So I had 222 on my mirror ever since last fall because I felt like I was maybe in about 223 shape last fall um, when I had the injury in Frankfurt and had to drop out. So then 222 just seemed like the next logical step. So it was like, just like, I feel like I can improve about this much again. So I'm not sure at what point that will taper off, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's fun to, um, to just still be improving. I think that's really addicting, but, um, but yeah, getting a time on the board for sure. And then you can be, I feel really free at New York to, to, um, like be able to just focus on competing and Mm -hmm. stuff
0: i was just thinking about while you're talking like people always ask like what's the best indicator workout to know what kind of shape you're in you know like how like we're talking about the beginning stages of the race how fast do you go out and you know i've always said like 15 mile threshold right like Mm -hmm. whatever you can do with 15 mile threshold at you can sustain for a marathon but i think we saw with you early on like i remember training for 2016 olympic trials with you and you were you were hitting some pretty good times yeah. for 15-mile thresholds at sea level. And yet I feel like it it took the right day, the right conditions, of course, like that has to come into play. But I feel like you almost had to become like more seasoned with yeah. marathoning for that to be true for to be able to be like yeah whatever you run for 15 mile threshold you can run for a marathon because that was almost exactly the case this time out like you averaged yeah 5. 25 per mile in the berlin marathon and you did exactly that in 15 mile threshold yeah. and training at sea level
1: yeah and i think a, a lot of that had to do with like um for me the speed came naturally so like almost like a 15 mile t- threshold you could look at it kind of like a half marathon or something. It's almost that if you're not doing it in context of a lot of volume. Mm-hmm, so that mm-hmm. for me, I wasn't running as much volume early in my career. So, <clears throat> so I was, I was relatively fresh going into those workouts compared to what I do now. So yeah, I would, I would be kind of confused. Cause I'd be like, I feel like I should be able to hold this for the marathon, but I'm getting to like 30 K and Like the wheels are coming off a little bit, you know, and I think it was it just took like being able to be strong enough to do those on tired legs. Mm -hmm. And then now I've yeah, I think it's but then along with that, you know, I feel like is the risk like I feel like our our program is a little risky because it's like high volume, high intensity, (laughs) Mm -hmm. high density of intensity, which, you know, if you that's not the program, if you're looking to be injury free all the time. But to maximize your potential, I think it's, it's, yeah.
0: High risk, high reward, right? That's yeah. What talking about. Yeah. And I think that is important that you, that you say that because it's like 15-mile threshold is a good indicator workout if you're in the context of really hard training. Yeah. Like it's not if you like taper for the workout. Right. You're taking like three easy days before that. Like it's not a, it's not an indicator anymore.
1: Yeah. Like I ran mine after a 28-mile long run.
0: Yeah. Like two days later, right? Yeah, like yeah.
1: forty-eight hours. Of-
0: yeah, and so that's. I think it's important to talk a little bit about volume because I feel like people are afraid of volume. They're like, "I'm gonna get hurt," but um, I think it is important. You know, it's a part of needs to be in the program so that your legs are callous to the pounding of the marathon. And I just think there's something too, like building your aerobic engine through doing a decent amount of volume. So I don't think people need to be afraid of it it's just how do you do it and doing everything else right so you don't get hurt but then like you said there's always that risk you know
1: yeah yeah i mean i don't really know the answer i think it comes with you kind of you find your lines you know and that only comes to experience and and every season's different it's like maybe you have factors of like like we moved to altitude almost a year and a half ago you know and that was probably went into like why um you know I had a really good build-up last fall but I didn't I wasn't absorbing the training the same as I'm absorbing it absorbed it this build-up like I did similar volume and I, I ran my workouts a little faster as I I typically have improved but but yeah I mean how much I've absorbed it I think after living here full-time for like a lot longer than when we first got here I think Has to do with that, you know. So there's, or maybe you have a new baby and you're not sleeping as well, you know. Like there's all, like volume kind of has to follow your life. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, like there's just so many factors that go into recovery and.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I think it's really important for you know, like our athletes for run free. It's like if you don't feel like you're absorbing the training, like Sarah's talking about, like you need to communicate that with your coach because something has to change. Like you either got to sleep more, eat more Mm -hmm. or change up your training. Like, like you're saying, there's all these different stressors, things you can manipulate, but if you're not absorbing it, then and and what I think we mean by and correct me if I'm wrong here Sarah but uh, by absorbing it is like you're seeing growth in your training and like you have yes you're tired easy runs but in general you're feeling pretty good in your workouts right with
1: yeah I think for I think for me it's like a like you're not like trudging you know you're not so beat up like you're like really getting up for the workout but then like the next day you're just like so beat up you're trudging and and you're you know you're tired going into the next one I mean there's a certain amount of fatigue that you have in marathon training but I think um yeah I guess it's like just how much is accumulating and not like your body isn't actually uh working through it so yeah but it's hard to describe it's kind of yeah,
0: Yeah, you kind of have to experience it, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, we could do a whole podcast just on this. Yeah, we're getting off of the <laughs> race. <laughs> anyway, so. yeah, we, could, we could talk about a lot of different stuff for a really long time. <laughs> um, but let's go back to the race. So you come through the halfway from start, from, say, 5K, to the halfway mark. How are you feeling? Uh, what's going on in your head and heart? Like, are you getting excited? At, increasingly excited as the race is going on, or what's what's that first half look like for you?
1: Yeah, the first half, I was trying just to. Um, I was I was in a really good group, um, which at times actually was uncomfortable because I'm not used to running with a lot of people. I like train by myself, so like at times I was like, oh, like how am I gonna get my bottle or. You know, like you just feel a little antsy, but um, but it was really nice having that and um, and just trying to like stay as relaxed as possible, not even really like stressing about the pace or splits and things too much, so just kind of keep checking in on it um, but yeah, it was good to like get get to the half and see our the time and be like, okay, this is like right in the range, like Ryan and I had been in negotiations of I wanted to go out in like 71.20 and he wanted me to go out in like 71.45 because like I was like I feel like I could run 2.21 or like break 2.22 but it's really hard to do that if you go out in 71.45 like you have to basically run like 70 minutes flat like your second half so I've never negative I never negative split a marathon till this one so I definitely never negative split by that much so Anyways, I ended up coming through in a seventy one twenty, ish. I'm not even sure, um, which you said you factored into telling yes. me to go out in seventy.
0: Yes, I. It, one of the advantages of coaching your wife is you know her mentality super well. So I know if I tell her seventy one forty five, then she'll come through in like seventy one fifteen. So I have, to, I have to do this for all of her yeah. workouts and races. I have to adjust accordingly to knowing Sarah
1: yes well I've never been accused of uh, moderation but (laughs) um so anyways got through the half and then I was actually that was actually the point I was feeling a little like I started to feel a little in my quads like and I was like oh no is this the beginning of the end like sometimes you feel in the marathon where it's like then the quads just get heavier and heavier but we kind of turned to a different direction where we weren't like running into the wind. And all of a sudden I started feeling a lot better. And, um, and, and actually what prompted feeling a lot better, I think was seeing some of the women coming back and that really like helped me click into like just competing and, and
0: encouraged. Right. It sounds like you you got encouraged by seeing them up the road.
1: Yeah. Just, I mean, it's more fun to be competing, in general so but that part of the course is more uphill so yeah we did run a little bit slower from 20 to 25 um
0: 25 to 30 oh okay
1: yeah Yeah. but um but yeah so i i kind of stopped looking at my watch and at one point all the group i was running with i was like i need to like get out of here and like run faster and just kind of got in the front and started just running my own pace and um and actually probably my favorite part well the hardest part of the race was I saw I started seeing like a lead car up ahead with like a single like Ethiopian looking girl and her like striped vest official pacemaker and I was like that's the leader like and I had already passed like a three or four women by this time and I was like maybe a couple had dropped out and I was like that's the leader. And I was catching her quickly. And I'm like, I'm going to win the Berlin <laughs> marathon, <laughs> which I think you could get good at like lying, like kind of being delusional out there. Like you just get, I don't know, as a professional marathon, you get good at lying to yourself too. But I, I really did think that was the leader. And, and then, so I like, I started like dropping some pretty fast splits. And at one point I went by her and I kind of, like was did like what I would do in like a 10k race where you like go by super hard then the the car started like following me and and it told me that k was a 312k which is like 505 pace so that was I probably paid for that pretty well in the last few miles of the race it was probably not the smartest move in hindsight I wish I had just tuned into my pace a little bit better but um but yeah and fortunately, soon after that, I saw Ryan and...
0: This was a huge coaching fail for me, by the way, but go ahead and tell <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> well, you asked me before, like, what was the hardest part of the race? And it was when I I asked you what place I was in. So all of a sudden, I was like, like, the lead car thing was following me, but there wasn't really any, like, motorcycles or, like, I was like, I don't feel like I'm leading the race right now.
0: And I asked you So hold on, she asked me, she's running past me at five twenty-five pace and she's talking to me on the side of the road. I'm just spectating, cheering. And uh, go ahead, continue.
1: And I said, What what place am I? And he's like, I think like fifth. And I felt like someone just popped my like just deflated my balloon right there. And I, was I like-
0: so wish I would have lied to you <laughs> in that moment. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, and then I didn't see a single other, well, maybe I passed like one other, no, ended at fifth. So, um, so yeah, the rest of the race was kind of a grind cause it was, there was no women to chase and I was kind of alone. It was, it was windier and it gets hard at the end of a marathon always. But, um, but yeah, it was just grinding it out to finish.
0: So, so what just grinding out to the finish? What, does that mean what's going, like, what are you thinking about when you when you say you're grinding?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it was more, so all my other marathons, I think I felt like is all in my legs. Like, my legs just got really heavy, and you're just, like, start, like, just, like, out of body, like, go legs, you know. But I didn't feel that in this marathon, so um, it was more, it felt kind of like a half or something where you're, like, you're breathing hard, you're turning it over. And I think I was trying to just focus on, um, running the mile I'm in hashtag run the mile you're in book. Yes. Um, which actually I was thinking of that, like, just like focus on this mile, like just take it one at a time. And, um, trying to convince myself I could like catch some guy way up in the distance that I knew deep down, I probably couldn't, but, (laughs) um, And I was like, get to the Brandenburg Gate, like, that'll be fun. And um, I was really looking forward to that, although it did not kind of feel like how it looked for Elliot Kipchoge when the drone is, like, above him and everything. (laughs) It it more was, like, just, like, the pain cave at that point, and I didn't really care. And it was, like, cobblestones, like, for, like, a while around there. And I was like, no, not cobblestones, like, in the last mile. (laughs) But, uh,
0: yeah. So, so you had to be riding pretty high though, that last 10K. Like, what was your excitement level like?
1: Yeah, it was, um, it was like more just trying not to mess it up feeling. Cause I wasn't exactly, I felt like I was probably slowing down. Um, but I don't think I actually did all that mm-hmm. much, but, um, but I was I was just worried about slowing down because that's, you know, that's when that happens, especially in that place where you're in no man's land and it's windy and you're tired. and But I think what helped me is stay engaged is just being excited about where, like, the time I had going and the opportunity. Like, I was like, don't mess it up. And I think that's what, when that part of the race can kind of spiral down is when you're not excited. Like, whether you got dropped by the pack and you're not excited about your place or your your time's dropping and that I think can be hard to stay focused in that time but um but for me I still had I guess momentum like I was still excited about uh my pace so
0: yeah and then uh explain what you were feeling when you came across the line you saw two twenty two 22 on the clock what was that moment like for you
1: it was it was kind of mixed actually, cause I mean I was expecting to come through in that, so it wasn't like a surprise, and I was I was kind of like man, I was like close to breaking two twenty two, like that would have been fun to break two twenty one, but then I also I was like really excited, um, and you know that's just a competitor in you where you're just like like just oh, could I've eked out more stuff, but um, but yeah, I think I was like I was kind of like. It was a a wave of relief, I guess, too, just because um, I don't know, I've just had like I felt ready for breakthroughs at times and then it was an injury or it was, you know, different things. And so to actually get to do it, just it felt like a little bit surreal, like, like, wow, like actually got to like, yeah,
0: it's like someone gave you a million dollar check and then you finally got to the bank and cashed it. And you're walking away with all (laughs)
1: your money. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yeah, but I think, like, yeah, just that uh, relief, I guess, to have it come together. um, It just felt really, like, satisfying and really, like, peaceful that, like, like not to have kind of um, where a lot of the races where you're like, man, like, if only this or whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you kind of alluded to... I don't know, kind of a runner's dilemma that I think we all kind of experience, uh, whether you're a professional or not. Uh, about like, so you finish a race and you're you're happy in this case, you know, you ran really well, huge PR, um, but you know there's more there still, you know. Yeah. Um, how do you currently? How do you manage that? This tension between. Knowing there's more, wanting, striving, going after more, but at the same time being content, thankful, celebrating what you just did.
1: Yeah, I think I'm figuring that out. I don't, I don't really have the answer. Um, Cause yeah, I think like when I was talking to you after the race, I was like, man, I would, like, I wonder if I could run a little faster and ducked under 222, and and you were like, you know, you had 222 written on your mirror all year. Like And it was kind of this moment of like, yeah, no, actually, like, I am grateful. Like, this was my goal. Like, like what seemed like kind of like a big, like, kind of lofty goal, like, I actually was able to do it. So I think that helps to have other people put things in perspective, other people to celebrate with you. Um, but I think, I mean, reading Steve Magnus's book, The Passion Paradox, he talks about it being good to like get back to work too. But I think th- I, you do want to have things that make you, um, feel like you were able to like savor the moment. You know, you don't want to just like move on right away. Like you kind of want to enjoy like what you've just worked so hard for. So I'm kind of in the tension of that now. Cause like, yeah, I am excited to like go after new goals and like keep getting faster, but like I'm kind of reminding myself like find ways to like savor this because it doesn't come around a lot like injuries happen things happen you know so
0: yeah and you know we've always talked about my dad did a great job of this with me when I was a kid growing up like anytime I set a personal record like we'd go get an ice cream or we'd go get a smoothie or it always involved food but we'd celebrate in some way you know and we've always talked about how like like being thankful, celebrating is like a way to experience even more breakthrough. It's like when you're grateful for something, then like there's just something about that that seems to like empower you to be able to have future breakthroughs.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that otherwise it's like chasing the wind, you know, like it'll never be enough. There will always be something else mm-hmm. you can go after. But yeah, I was just thanking God out there Um just that for his faithfulness and like encouraging me to persevere in in my career because there are just so many moments i just felt like maybe i didn't have what it takes to do this at a professional level or like or maybe i couldn't do it with like four kids and still parent those kids in the way that i want to parent them you know or um you know just having a lot of doubts or, or feeling like and then just him just being like no there's there's more there like um and even after all the setbacks and stuff, so so yeah, I think the thankfulness, just remembering that, and and coming home and having my kids like writing all over my mirror where it says two twenty two, and they wrote done and mm-hmm. congratulations, we're so proud of you, mom, and stuff. And that I've left all that up, and it just makes me so happy to to like see them kind of see that whole process, you know, and be a part of that, and and see me have to like be like biking and doing stuff I don't want to do and and then like to have it come together <laughs> yeah
0: um I was so proud of you like it was so special to get to watch you finally like walk into something that we knew was always there you know but um proud both with my husband hat on and my coaching hat on um I was just so so proud of you um so what I'm curious, what would you say to someone uh, who's on the other side of breakthrough, who's going after breakthrough, who really wants to um, break through, like having just had a massive breakthrough yourself, what would you say to someone who's going after their own personal breakthrough?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not something you can really control, I would say, you know, like you can be faithful in a lot of the little things. And you know have have a coach have someone that can have the hard conversations with you um because for me like I had to take a look at what I was doing because I was I this was the first marathon build-up I didn't have an injury in two years so I had to be like okay well I want to get to the line healthy first and foremost in this race so like how do we do that and we had to have some back and forth you know where you were holding me back at times when I didn't want to and or just like minimizing risk in different areas. And so um so it takes that too because, you know, we all have weaknesses. Mine is like to push too hard and want to do more and um and so you need someone. So run free training coach be mm-hmm. that person for you, but um but yeah, and then and then being patient that um that like I don't know, God gets you ready for whatever you experience in life you know and it's like his timing with things um isn't always like what we would imagine but um but yeah I think just kind of trusting the process you know mm-hmm. that it's like uh yeah that if you don't give up like at some point you'll reap what yeah. you've been sowing into
0: yeah and just keep showing up right like yeah yeah uh... Just keep putting yourself out there. And that's something you're like super, super good at is you just keep showing up to the start line. And the the thing that's hard about the marathons, you might only, especially as a pro, most time you only get two cracks, you know, a year. Yeah. Um, but for you, like you'll put yourself out there even more. And I think that kind of increases your chances of, yes, you're not going to hit a home run every single time. You're not going to run a big PR every time, but you're just going to keep putting yourself back out there until eventually, you know, you have your day.
1: Yeah, and I think just not fearing failure, you know, like, helps with that, like, to put yourself out there more. So getting your identity more rooted in who you are, like, um, and, yeah. And then, because, yeah, for example, Boston, like, I, I was coming off an injury and I had only six weeks of running going into that. And I was on that line and I was like, this could be my breakthrough race, actually. Like, I think there's always that kind of optimism where you're like, this could be it. But I'm like, but it also could go really badly. Like I could also be really Mm underprepared, which actually was what happened. But there's always a chance, you know, and if you don't show up, you don't know. And you can't just wait. If you just wait all the time for everything to be perfect, like, there's not really any courage in that, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's like, um, yeah, I don't
0: know. No, that's great. I mean, Breaking free of that fear of failure, I think, you know, that's really the message I would like to drive home. And, you know, what you've mentioned a couple of times now is is doing that through knowing who you are, through identity and and knowing what makes you special apart from how you're going to perform. So if you guys are listening, like. Like, fig- figure that out, you know, like, what is it that makes you worthy of love? What is it that makes you special? Um, so that when you go out there and compete, you're not trying to prove anything. Like, you're just doing it out of pure passion and love.
1: Yeah, and you don't even have to be special in a way by the world standards, but just... And everyone is worthy of love. Like, we're all created in God's image, you know? And we're all, um, like, He loves us like He couldn't love us anymore anymore. Or he couldn't love us any less, no matter what we do, no matter how much we fail, how much we succeed, you know, and just kind of getting, um, having that go deep where that actually like, um, like you really believe it, I think is the key. But-
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's a process too, right? It's like yeah. it in a c- continual process, like I lose sight of that all the time, you know, it's like something I have to constantly be reminding myself of.
1: Yeah, for sure. And failure helps with that sometimes. It's a good yeah. reminder. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, all of us at Run Free are so stoked on your your performance, on your big breakthrough. And um, we're all celebrating your breakthrough and knowing that there's more there. But I'm um, just so excited to see you have this day. And we know there'll be future days as well. Um, and that's something I think that's really important for all of us as runners is, like, when we look at other people's performances, our peers' performances, it's really easy to, you know, maybe get a little bit jealous or not be excited for someone because they're a competitor of yours. Whether they're, like, in your hometown and age group competition, it doesn't matter what level, right? Like, you can look at other people's performances and be like, oh, man, they're in really fast. And, like, then you feel worse about yourself, you know, because you're comparing yourself to other people. But, um. I've really found that it just brings so much more life when I can choose to celebrate other people's breakthroughs because I believe as we celebrate other people's breakthroughs, that enables us to walk into our own breakthrough. So, um, you know, everyone in the Run Free community is is for you and excited for you and celebrating your breakthrough, knowing that that's gonna you know help us lead us into our own breakthrough. So, thanks for spending some time with us. Could have talked to you forever. We'll have to have you back on and talk about some of these subjects that we kind of touched on but didn't have a chance to go super deep on. And uh, what's what's next for you now?
1: Um, yeah, well, New York City Marathon's the main goal. So just kind of seeing what I need to do to get ready for that. And then obviously the main goals, the Olympic trials, February 29th, and kind of working backwards from there and trying to uh, prepare myself the best I can.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was telling Sarah, I wanted her to uh, tick two boxes before the Olympic trials. One was to get a time under her belt, and the other one was to have a positive experience on a hilly, hard, challenging course like something like New York. So we ticked that first box, and we'll head to New York four and a half weeks about from today. and go try and tick that second box but um it's been a pleasure to watch you train uh to watch you race and to um see you break through so thanks We're for coming kind of on i've
1: done it without you for sure 100 <laughs> percent.
0: all right guys well there you have it 222 marathoner sarah hall and uh we'll sign out for now but we will be back um, with our next episode next week um, as always if you're looking for training coaching uh, check out runfreetraining.com and uh, if you have any questions things you want me to talk about on the podcast video ideas um, shoot those to me email me at ryan at runfreetraining.com I always love hearing from you guys love your guys feedback gotten some great suggestions already and at some point too I'd love to do just like a Q&A where you guys just shoot in whatever questions you have. Doesn't have to be about internal stuff. It could be about physical stuff, nutrition, whatever you got. Um and we'll do a a one episode completely on QA. I'd like to do that with Sarah too as well um where you guys can just ask her whatever questions you have at some point in the future but She's a pretty busy gal, so she's, she's hard to nail down sometimes being a mom of four and running professionally, but we'll do our best to get her back on because I know this is probably going to be your guys' favorite episode thus far. All right, guys, signing off. Happy training. Until next time.